Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis Book 3, Christian Behavior Chapter 2, The Cardinal Virtues The previous section was originally composed to be given as a short talk on the air. If you are allowed to talk for only ten minutes, pretty well everything else has to be sacrificed to brevity. One of my chief reasons for dividing morality up into three parts, with my picture of the ships sailing in convoy, was that this seemed the shortest way of covering the ground. Here I want to give some idea of another way in which the subject has been divided by old writers, which was too long to use in my talk, but which is a very good one. According to this longer scheme, there are seven virtues. Four of them are called cardinal virtues, and the remaining three are called theological virtues. The cardinal ones are those which all civilized people recognize. The theological are those which, as a rule, only Christians know about. I shall deal with the theological ones later on. At present, I am talking about the four cardinal virtues. The word cardinal has nothing to do with cardinals in the Roman Church. It comes from a Latin word meaning the hinge of a door. These were called cardinal virtues because they are, as we should say, pivotal. They are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. Prudence means practical common sense, taking the trouble to think out what you are doing and what is likely to come of it. Nowadays, most people hardly think of prudence as one of the virtues. In fact, because Christ said we could only get into his world by being like children, many Christians have the idea that, provided you are good, it does not matter being a fool. But that is a misunderstanding. In the first place, most children show plenty of prudence about doing the things they are really interested in, and think them out quite sensibly. In the second place, as St. Paul points out, Christ never meant that we were to remain children in intelligence. On the contrary, he told us to be not only as harmless as doves, but also as wise as serpents. He wants a child's heart, but a grown-up's head. He wants us to be simple, single-minded, affectionate, and teachable, as good children are. But he also wants every bit of intelligence we have to be alert at its job, and in first-class fighting trim. The fact that you are giving money to a charity does not mean that you need not try to find out whether that charity is a fraud or not. The fact that what you are thinking about is God himself, for example, when you are praying, does not mean that you can be content with the same babyish ideas which you had when you were a five-year-old. It is, of course, quite true that God will not love you any the less, or have less use for you, if you happen to have been born with a very second-rate brain. He has room for people with very little sense. But he wants everyone to use what sense they have. The proper motto is not, Be good, sweet maid, and let who can be clever. But be good, sweet maid. And don't forget that this involves being as clever as you can. 
God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than of any other slackers. If you are thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something which is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. But, fortunately, it works the other way around. Anyone who is honestly trying to be a Christian will soon find his intelligence being sharpened. One of the reasons why it needs no special education to be a Christian is that Christianity is an education itself. That is why an uneducated believer like Bunyan was able to write a book that has astonished the whole world. Temperance is, unfortunately, one of those words that has changed its meaning. It now usually means teetotalism. But in the days when the second cardinal virtue was christened temperance, it meant nothing of the sort. Temperance referred not specially to drink, but to all pleasures. And it meant not abstaining, but going the right length, and no further. It is a mistake to think that Christians ought all to be teetotalers. Mohammedanism, not Christianity, is the teetotal religion. Of course, it may be the duty of a particular Christian, or of any Christian at a particular time, to abstain from strong drink, either because he is the sort of man who cannot drink at all without drinking too much, or because he is with people who are inclined to drunkenness and must not encourage them by drinking himself. But the whole point is that he is abstaining for a good reason, from something which he does not condemn and which he likes to see other people enjoying. One of the marks of a certain type of bad man is that he cannot give up a thing himself without wanting everyone else to give it up. That is not the Christian way. An individual Christian may see fit to give up all sorts of things for special reasons. Marriage, or meat, or beer, or the cinema. But the moment he starts saying the things are bad in themselves, or looking down his nose at other people who do use them, he has taken the wrong turning. One great piece of mischief has been done by the modern restriction of the word temperance to the question of drink. It helps people to forget that you can be just as intemperate about lots of other things. A man who makes his golf or his motor bicycle the center of his life, or a woman who devotes all her thoughts to clothes or bridge or her dog, is being just as intemperate as someone who gets drunk every evening. Of course, it does not show on the outside so easily. Bridge mania or golf mania do not make you fall down in the middle of the road, but God is not deceived by externals. Justice means much more than the sort of thing that goes on in law courts. It is the old name for everything we should now call fairness. It includes honesty, give and take, truthfulness, keeping promises, and all that side of life. And fortitude includes both kinds of courage, the kind that faces danger as well as the kind that sticks it under pain. Guts is perhaps the nearest modern English. You will notice, of course, that you cannot practice any of the other virtues very long without bringing this one into play. There is one further point about the virtues that ought to be noticed. There is a difference between doing some particular just or temperate action and being a just or temperate man. 
someone who is not a good tennis player may, now and then, make a good shot. What you mean by a good player is a man whose eye and muscles and nerves have been so trained by making innumerable good shots that they can now be relied on. They have a certain tone or quality, which is there even when he is not playing. Just as a mathematician's mind has a certain habit and outlook, which is there even when he is not doing mathematics. In the same way, a man who perseveres in doing just actions gets, in the end, a certain quality of character. Now it is that quality, rather than the particular actions, which we mean when we talk of a virtue. This distinction is important for the following reason. If we thought only of the particular actions, we might encourage three wrong ideas. 1. We might think that, provided you did the right thing, it did not matter how or why you did it, whether you did it willingly or unwillingly, sulkily or cheerfully, through fear of public opinion or for its own sake. But the truth is that right actions done for the wrong reasons do not help to build the internal quality or character called a virtue. And it is this quality or character that really matters. If the bad tennis player hits very hard, not because he sees that a very hard stroke is required, but because he has lost his temper, his stroke might possibly, by luck, help him to win that particular game. But it will not be helping him to become a reliable player. 2. We might think that God wanted simply obedience to a set of rules, whereas he really wants people of a particular sort. 3. We might think that the virtues were necessary only for this present life, that in the other world we could stop being just because there is nothing to quarrel about, and stop being brave because there is no danger. Now, it is quite true that there will probably be no occasion for just or courageous acts in the next world. But there will be every occasion for being the sort of people that we can become only as the result of doing such acts here. The point is not that God will refuse you admission to his eternal world if you have not got certain qualities of character. The point is that if people have not got at least the beginnings of those qualities inside them, then no possible external conditions could make a heaven for them. That is, could make them happy with the deep, strong, unshakable kind of happiness God intends for us. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>